I V M. Hi, I'm Utsav, a behavior researcher by training and a slow traveler by passion. Postcards from Nowhere is a travel podcast where I condense a decade of travel experiences and explore not just the where but also the why and how to travel. My stories emerge from slow traveling the less explored parts of the world: Bosnia and Herzegovina, Armenia, Uzbekistan, and even China. At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, I take you to an unknown partition of the Indian subcontinent, that between Hindi and Urdu. And any attempt to further separate the two would be like cutting the umbilical cord of the Indian masses. Mahia na aya mera, Mahia na aya. Ranjana na aya mera, Mahia na aya. Mahia na aya mera, Ranjana na aya. This song from the 2012 Hindi film Vicky Donor has something peculiar about it. The male lead Ayushman Khurana sings it for his love interest Yami Gautam. Yet the entire gender reference in the song. is male but why would the song be written this way because the song is written in punjabi and the founder of sikhism guru nanak sahib was one of the major leaders of the bhakti movement in the bhakti tradition the ultimate beloved the almighty is perceived as master or pia or sajan or male and the devotee or lover as the female thus even male devotees while paying tribute to the master assume a female role in the ninth season of coke studio rahat fateh ali khan and the late amjad sabri recreated a kalam by amir khusro which has garnered 40 million hits on youtube the kalam aaj rang hai is about khusro finding his peer his spiritual mentor hazrat nizamuddin aulia where he too has the gender reference in female but the beloved is referenced as male So how do two seemingly distinct spiritual traditions the bhakti and the sufi movement have such a similar reference point and that two in languages as distinct as punjabi or hindi and persian this is the story of hindi and urdu which today are being pulled apart in order to stoke tension by creating distinctive communities associated with each of these languages this is a fascinating story that has a motley group of people amir khusro Mirza Ghalib, Munshi Premchand, and the British, and how religious, social, and political factors created a fracture between these two soulful languages. It started with Qutbuddin Aybak, a former slave who became the first Sultan of Delhi. The Delhi Sultanate lasted from the 13th to the 16th century, and with them, Turkic culture and language had arrived in India. Subsequently, the Mughal Empire took over, and the language of courtly affairs and literary society was Persian. At the same time in and around the Delhi region the common man spoke many local dialects though they were largely unwritten in this milieu emerged the genius of Amir Khusro who was not only fluent in Arabic Persian and Sanskrit but also picked up various dialects of the Delhi region such as Avdi Braj Bhasha Bhojpuri and a new language that was emerging Khadi Boli or Dehlvi or simply Hindi at that point Urdu as we know it today did not even exist by the year 1700 after many centuries of coexisting hindi and persian began to merge which popularized an art form we have come to adore today ghazals in the year 1740 tekchand bahar coined the term rekhta which in persian meant 
thrown together to designate this new literary mixture of Hindi and Persian. Around the same time in Hyderabad, the poet Jafar Zatalish started to shift from Persian and move to a Persianized form of Hindi. It was only in 1780 that the poet Gulam Hamdani Mushafi, writing in Lucknow, penned the following lines. Khuda rakhe zubaan humne suni hai Miro Mirza ki. Kahen ki muh se hum hai Mushafi, Urdu hamari hai. So Urdu actually has its origins in the Deccan region. People always assume that the Dakhani language spoken in and around the Hyderabad region is an offshoot of Urdu. But actually, it's almost the other way around. Just under the hangover of the Delhi-centric historical narratives we have been taught in India. But Rekhta or Urdu, which was supposed to create a blended Persian more accessible to the masses, took on a different route. And so did Hindi. Around the late 1800s, the Mughal dynasty began to decline and the poet Mirza Ghalib ascended into the public eye. He was patronized by Bahadur Shah Zafar, but by then, the last Mughal king was reduced to a pensioner. Munshi Premchand's son, Amrit Rai, notes that it's around this time the Persian dominance on Rekta started to increase as a way to overcompensate for the loss of power. And Ghalib was the chief proponent of this dominance. Instead of being an accessible language that united the masses, it became overwrought with Persian. So much so that a poet of that era, Hakim Aga Jan Esh, once commented about it in a mushaira. Agar apna kaha tum aap hi samjhe, to kya samjhe? Maza kahne ka jab ek kahe aur dusra samjhe. Meanwhile, the ascendancy of the British came with their divide and rule policy to ensure that any residual influence that Muslims had on power be negated. They decided to remove Persian words from the language of law courts. They said that Persian was an obscure language and the judgments must also be rendered in languages that are more accessible to the people. On 18th April 1900, a mere 120 years ago, they issued an order which also allowed the use of Devanagari in the courts. A section of Hindu society was waking up to the advantages that would accrue to them personally if the British recognized Hindi as the language separate from Urdu without all the Persian vocabulary and written in Devanagari. In time, with the help of Indians who knew Sanskrit, a new Sanskritized variety of Hindi sprang up, one designed to favor an ambitious Brahmin constituency in a rapidly changing India. It was the same script playing out, just like how Rekta had brought benefits in the previous age to those who knew Persian. The rise of the British was bleak for both the Hindus and the Muslims, and both communities chose to cling to imagined past glories. Urdu claimed Persian as an illustrious ancestor, and Hindi clutched at Sanskrit. The language with familiar words, but a completely unfamiliar system of grammar and word construction, and thereby began the burial of the fact that Hindi and Urdu were a single language, a 12th-century Delhi dialect that crumbled under British divide and rule. Urdu ended up becoming the official language of Pakistan, but what happened to Hindi? As it turns out, you can impose complicated structures on language, but cannot expect people to actually use it. Sanskritized Hindi never really took off. And apart from a tiny Brahminical community, it was roundly rejected. It's for these very reasons that Railgadi is the word we use for trains and not the Sanskritized Lohapad Gamini, nor do you call a tie Kanthilangot, as neither of them roll off the tongue easily. As we saw, Hindi and Urdu were essentially the same language, and their course was altered all in a bid to retain power, whether real or imagined. As Hindi, Urdu, or Hindustani 
continues to be spoken across north and western india the obsession with freeing hindi of persian words or urdu of sanskrit and prakrit is an exercise of utter foolishness instead we should turn to amir khusro and love hindustani in a way probably amir khusro would khusro darya prem ka ulti vaaki dhar jo utra so doob gaya jo dooba so par if you like this podcast don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ivm network you can listen to us on the ivm podcast app or ivmpodcast.com you can also follow us on our social media we are at ivm podcasts on twitter and instagram if you want to reach out to me i am utsav memory on twitter and yvtravel42 on instagram 